0: Founded in 2007, Homage turns back the clock with shout-outs to eclectic moments and personalities in sports, music, and pop culture. From Billie Jean King to Larry Bird, Homage tells stories of triumph, individualism, and hustle, preserving the old school, and creating new legacies. Pay homage at www.homage.com. This month, Homage has new collections for Cincy Slang and listeners to check out. Might I point you in the direction of their Negro Leagues baseball collection? The New York Cubans, the Homestead Grays, the Cleveland Buckeyes, good name, the Birmingham Black Barons, all great shirts, paying homage to some of the originals to play the sport of baseball. Also, the 80s movies collection is outstanding. I'm an 80s baby myself, born in 87. But some of these movies are my absolute favorites of all time. The Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice shirt is a must-have for anyone who is a big fan of those 1980s classics. Shop Homage online at www.homage.com and in six stores across Ohio, including their Over the Rhine, Vine Street location right here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Now, Homage created a special offer for Cincy Slang and listeners to kick off 2021, that deal went so well, they decided to extend it for one more month in February so that Cincy Slangin' listeners can get 21% off the entire site when you use the code SLANGIN at checkout. Go to www.homage.com, that's H-O-M-A-G-E.com, and don't forget to enter the code S-L-A-N-G-I-N, SLANGIN, at checkout for 21% off your entire Order. And don't forget, folks, pay homage. Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer,
1: what's up, buddy? You're really going to make me do it? You're going to make... All right, this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. Oh, it's just fine. Uh, guys, it's it's hot in here, but it, it's definitely a great day to be... It's a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan.
0: <laughs> Indeed it is, sir. Hummer, yes, sir. We're, joined, we're joined by a special guest. You've already heard his, his voice in the background. He's a popular guy around here. Third time on the podcast, I believe, and we're excited to have you. Despite it being a very dark time uh, as a Bearcats basketball fan, Bernard Fox is on the podcast, otherwise known as B Fox, otherwise known as Hi. Bearcats Radio on Twitter. How hey, are you, sir?
2: Man, it's it's the the dregs of February, and the Bearcats are unpeaking at the right time.
0: <laughs> unpeaking. Uh, that, right. that about sums up exactly what we're going through here. The Bearcats uh, were on an incredible run, four-game win streak, and yet we entered this game and it didn't feel like we were on a win streak, and that's uh, likely because we we spent the week largely talking about a departure from the team, and, and departures have become all too common. Uh, Zach Harvey had left the team last week deciding to opt out for the rest of the season, and based on some reporting from Justin Williams of The Athletic, uh, the belief is that he's not expected to return to the Bearcats.
2: I, 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 for one, am beginning to wonder whether this lengthy locomotive of departing players is having some negative effect on our execution. <laughs> I just, I'm teasing that. I'll just tease that. Maybe we put a pin in it and return.
0: We can, we can return. I think it's a bit premature for you. You're jumping to conclusions to assume that players departing the team at will, uh, willingly leaving, coming back or leaving and, and never coming back. Um, it's not fair to assume that's having any sort of impact on the play. Come on, come on. Don't I, you're come right.
2: No, you're right. You're right.
0: I think the, it's I think stuff. the most, <laughs> the it's most toughness fitting-
2: issue mentality issue, we gotta, you know, we gotta, we gotta hit some shots. You gotta <laughs> make some shots. that's not
1: part of the recipe, is it?
0: It's as simple as that. I did. That's my favorite thing about Bob Huggins ever was that he would he would basically uh, every interview he ever did. It was a matter of you just got to make shots, Chuck. If we make some shots, uh, we'll win some games. Although, uh, you know, that that now seems like uh, uh, it's something I yearn for greatly. But but Brian, let's and, and Hummer, let's start here with the game. I don't think we need to, to talk about the actual game itself too much because it was a nearly 40-point blowout. Uh, Bearcats went to Houston, lost 90 to 52. The second half, it was all foregone conclusion with a 26-point deficit. Um, I'll start with you, Mr. Fox. What do you in terms of talking about this specific game? What's your takeaway? I mean, what's your takeaway leaving a, a 38-point well,
2: blowout? So um, I, I have a personal thing with Kelvin Sampson because I, as a young boy growing up in rural Indiana, I I had a, uh, a heart for the Indiana Hoosiers. And and Kelvin Sampson um, took a wrecking ball to the program. And uh, it had nothing to do with his ability to coach, his ability to re- to recruit the ability to be an elite college basketball coach. I think he's all of those things It had to do maybe with some, some extracurricular shenanigans uh, and some, you know, some, some character issues, shall we say, with the program that became pervasive and then finally subsumed that Hoosier program, uh, you know, really spelling the death of a once and mighty uh, university basketball program. Uh, so I have a personal, Heart for seeing Kelvin Sampson lose. And so uh, I I come into every Houston Cougars battle hoping that Kelvin will be humiliated in some way, shape, or form. And uh, it turns out that didn't happen. Didn't happen today.
0: Quite the opposite.
2: Uh, quite the opposite. This felt, you know, I, I said this online on the interwebs on twitter.com. I said it's it's felt like a passing the torch game, and I I don't see how um, anyone could look at our once and mighty program, which was a perennial powerhouse in the American Athletic Conference, and see that 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 mantle has been passed. That Kelvin and the Houston Cougars program now holds that scepter, and unless and until we can figure out a way to not be so awful in the sport of basketball
0: yeah i wish <laughs> i could even call it a, a passing of the torch it felt much less like a pass and much more like a uh i it don't like know i feel feels like, it like
1: it's just a flat out taking they, they just see, a, mug, yeah. a mugging, yeah. a mugging a yeah. mugging yeah you know yeah. We're, we we're walking on the street home home the of we don't know where we are it's not like we belonged there or anything they could tell we were out of place
2: what, what's the term what what is the formal term of art for uh In Halloween, when kids are trick or treating, and older kids will just go and steal younger kids' bags of candy. What is that? What is the term of art for that? Because that's what it felt like.
0: (laughs) Assault with a deadly Halloween costume. I'm not sure. I I, larceny.
2: Is it a (laughs) larceny?
0: (laughs) I mean, you're the legal expert here, sir.
2: I Um, should know, but this is more of a street term. (laughs) True.
0: Then Hummer, you got this? Yeah, go ahead, Hummer.
1: Well, I was trying to look and see if there was really a thing about it. it. just says successfully steal your kid's Halloween candy. So it's like a parent, you know, stealing their kid's Halloween candy. No, we didn't have this thing stolen from us. I mean, it, it, I think you actually summed it up really quite well there, that it's it's like a passing of the torch. And something that came up with, with John Brannon in his post-game comments, and we've been talking about this forever, and people are like, oh, it's not a real thing. It's, it's like momentum, and it's culture. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's saying, like, there's some things I have to clear up or clean up, particularly for the year that so we can have success beyond this year. I'm still fighting like hell this year, but we have we have got some things in place from a culture standpoint. We have to get some things in place for, from a culture standpoint. This team has no culture, and it hasn't had culture. We've had, like, an assemblance of it maybe those last two games, and I know everybody, oh, you know, you beat Tulane, you beat Temple, you're not good. Well, yeah, those are bad teams, but we still just want to see ourselves playing well. They did almost nothing well today. They did yes. something well for maybe twelve minutes, the first like twelve minutes of the game, and then after that, it was just absolutely horrific. Um and so I, I don't know where it starts because I think the mm. talent is there. So.
2: I disagree. I we won the last ninety seconds of that game, <laughs> no question.
0: Come on, they fought to the end. I, I think it's it's a it's a big indictment. This game's a massive indictment beyond the obvious
1: reason of you just lost by 38 points. It's called bag snatching. That's, that's um, what I'm getting off. Facebook. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's
2: it. That was the term of our bag snatching. It was a bag
0: snatching. That's a perfect descriptor for what happened. Um, the two things that have plagued the Bearcats all year, turnovers and fouls, where we're just turning it over close to 20 times or, or fouling mid twenties, almost 30 times a game. Neither of those things actually happened. The Bearcats only turned it over 13 times fouls were at 21, both very meaty, not necessarily great numbers, but just very run of the mill uh, metrics, which tells you that we just got absolutely outplayed, like Hummer said, in every single facet of the game. And Houston's clear, clearly the, the very best team in the conference. They're the cream of the crop and what is not a very, uh, it's not a great conference this year. The American athletic basketball conference uh, is, is less than, is less there's not much to be desired at this point. And we went to Houston and they completely outclassed us in every aspect of the game. And yes, they have more talent, but losing by this margin is, is a big red flag in terms of what's happening behind the scenes. In my opinion, especially when you factor in everything else we've seen, like this game did not happen in a vacuum. And I think it's important for people to remember that, that what we're seeing is not a standalone game. There have been plenty of problems and and poor performances throughout the season. You know, a lot of people are saying it's the worst team we've had in a decade. And, you know, why are we surprised that we just lost to Houston? Was this supposed to be the worst team in a decade for the Bearcats? I did not hear people saying that before the season. That's not rhetorical. I'm curious. Like, what? am I misremembering this? Was this supposed to be some... You know, awful
1: we gave we gave John Rossing some shit because he put us at number five in the conference. Who knew that Mr. or sorry, six, we are currently, I think, beating his expectations. Uh, if we haven't fallen after that game, but we were giving him crap for like he was sleeping on the Bearcats. We were expecting just to be a tournament team or a fringe tournament team at you know at the worst, because you know that we think the talent's there. I think it's all starting from at this point. John Brandon, I think, is telling on it himself with that quote. It's a culture thing, it starts with him. You know, the culture starts from the, from the coach. And when you have players who are just like, we got out rebounded 31 to 47, like that's, that's atrocious. Like we let them own the paint. We let them own the inside. They had so many re uh, two little layups, two point putbacks. It, it was just, it's ridiculous that we weren't fighting for those more. And that's when I say that that's, is a, a culture issue. Did we just, Oh, there he is. He's, he's back. Oh, but that's just, what i yeah, say keep like, it rolling. live
2: television folks live television <laughs> what are you gonna do
0: i thought that was a wardrobe change
2: <laughs> <laughs> well i i i saw i saw uh i saw hummer struggling so i abandoned him it was really just it was just it was as simple as that <laughs> Oh, i'm out of here
1: Kumar, uh, <laughs> Coomer, Kumar's like I can see him in here. He's like, just don't, don't say it, Hummer. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't go, don't go too don't. dark down the, down the dark rabbit you hole. Say whatever or, you want. I Bob mean, Brandon. I, no, I, I think... joked with, I joked with, I joked with Kumar at some point during the game. I was like, if Houston drops a hundred on us, like I feel like I have to give the obligatory fire Brandon comment. <laughs> but we didn't get there. Luckily, you know, they, we didn't get the hundred, so I don't have to go down that route.
2: I love. I, well, I go ahead. I, I mean you know, here you go. You got full video. Oh, oh there yeah. he is. Beautiful. Yeah. This, this is a, it's not a scoop neck. It's like a, I'm not sure what it is, but yeah. Yeah. It's like a boat neck or I don't, I don't know what the term it's of art is. It's probably the be. kind
0: of shirt you wear when you're meeting up with Luke Fickle and, and chat with him for some, dr- over some drinks.
2: Yeah. We, we like to sit by the fireplace. I mean, we're you know, right on the heels of Valentine's day. Uh, just a couple <laughs> of coaches. Um, no, I, I had to coach two AAU uh uh, uh, sports ball games today hence my um my natty attire i here's the deal that when you look at how we performed um it was awful it was a uh it was a train wreck today but today to me is the fruit of the poisonous tree the tree has been poisoned for a while the poison is the culture which i think is pervasive I'm not sure who to blame. Who is to blame? Um, If you're the coach, you know I keep hearing AAU culture. Um, That's not going to get it done because every kid we recruit plays AAU ball. So let's not act like it's AAU culture, and that's why you know we're having cultural issues. But having kids, we got to make shots
0: AAU ball for for a while now. I mean, kids have been playing AAU Bingo. ball for. I mean, I want to say LeBron James was playing AAU basketball, so that's not the excuse that
2: you can use. That one is not availing, and it's it's AAU culture has been around for a long time. AAU dads has been a joke for a long time. That is, you know, to call it AAU culture to me is silly. You can't keep blaming kids. Look, I I think it what we are going through right now is unique. Um, We have had two transfers quit in the middle of a season all right i'm not i'm not even talking about zach harvey right now i'm talking about rap and i'm talking about jay Sarola. both of those guys who have played basketball their entire lives who for all intents and purposes are grown men decided they weren't going to finish the season out because who knows why right some might know Some might have a little tidbit, right? Right. But some don't feel comfortable sharing everything. So (laughs) so, so you have a situation where you've got guys who have played their entire lives who aren't inclined to give up on their team, who are giving up on the middle of the season just saying, you know what, it's not worth it. And it's just not worth playing uh, on this team at this time for this guy at this time. You can put it on the coaches, sit it at the coach's feet. You can sit it at the player's feet. You can do a lot of things. But RAP is not a byproduct of AAU culture. The kid was playing at Colgate, okay? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, but let's be realistic. I don't think Colgate is notorious for being like a big AAU <laughs> landing spot. I mean, not to be – I'm not trying to be offensive to Colgate and, and their lovely academics or their pristine campus. I'm just saying that maybe they're not the most, you know, uh, well-known AAU landing spot.
0: But Valparaiso
2: is. Oh
0: wait, no, it's not.
2: No, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. That's right. That's <laughs> no, right. It's not. Yeah. Valpo. Um, so, okay. You got to throw AAU culture out. I, I heard a gentleman earlier on my Twitter timeline who I enjoy, um, I, do I do I bring it up? I don't even know if I want to bring it up because I, I do like him. I love his grandma. I used to love his grandma stuff. I love the articles and analysis that he would write. But I, listen, if you were to survey my timeline, say September of 2016, okay, there are some flat out embarrassing tweets that I threw out there in defense of a a, a former coaching regime. In hindsight, I was dumb. Okay, no way around it. Okay. I was stupid. I had been radicalized by friendship. I had been radicalized by I'm just I'm just I was, by, I was
1: thinking about scrolling through your Twitter feed to get to 2016. And I'm like, I don't think I have enough time.
2: It's okay. I've been sending screenshots to my friends today to say, look, we we've all we've all said dumb things. Okay. <laughs> right. And I what I'm hearing right now in defense of the present coaching administration, it it sounds pretty dumb. It sounds like folks who have been radicalized by friendship um, or by proximity or folks who don't want to acknowledge, Hey, there's some real issues. I don't, I, you know, there is currently a petition on the interwebs to fire John Brandon it has give or take 37 signatures uh, (laughs) prior to me joining this podcast. Okay. I was just curious. I think uh, I, someone who shall go in name said something that I thought was pretty clever. They said, it, yeah, make it a GoFundMe rather than a, a petition online. Because that's the only way any, anything's going to happen. But I'm not even, you know, I'm not even sure we're at that spot because what what we need is for John Brannon, I think, to acknowledge, hey, there's some warts in, in their mind. You know, maybe I'm not getting the human piece of this just yet.
0: Which is the most important piece in college basketball. Some would would say. Some would say. Some would say say that's the
2: most important piece. I I said this the last time I was on here. I don't care how wonkishly somebody understands the game of basketball. It's about leading young men. And for some coaches, and Mick Cronin was this way, he got the most out of his guys. You can criticize him, whatever. He got the most out of his guys and, and I'm not trying to litigate the past. I'm not trying to, you know, necessarily like, you know, make a one-to-one comparison because Mick took a, a great contract in UCLA and Mick ain't coming back home. Okay. He's in Westwood. It's beautiful out there. The I see some pictures. He's living he's the taking, dream. Taking he's with, not shoveling with, uh, any more snow.
0: Taking pictures with he's Kareem not. Abdul-Jabbar, you know, he's, he's, yes, he's watching NBA guys come through practicing in his
1: facilities He's wrecking the pack 12. Like he's, doing he's all right. not worried. He's not yes. worried about coming back. He's here.
2: fine. Okay. So, so it's not a one-to-one it's just to say some coaches, they get every ounce out of their guys. They squeeze it. I remember watching a, a Yancey Gates play for Mick and it was, you could see how much Mick had to physically push Yancey to get it all out of them. Right. Sometimes it looked like Yancey was in a lower gear. And then he would, you know, there was this moment where there was an acknowledgement and there was this, you know, I, now I'm turning it on. My coach is on me and we're going to fight and, and kids will crawl over broken glass for some coaches and for others, they won't for some coaches, kids won't even finish the season,
0: which is a bit unprecedented. Pause. That's that's,
2: that was, that's a bit that was, unprecedented. That was a dramatic. Pause. That was very dramatic, and
0: but that's where we're at, and that and I think you identified an important conversation that I'm seeing online. Like, there's two very, they're far apart reactions to what's happening at this moment. There is a camp that is seems to say that's going to the extreme of everything is so bad we have to fire. This is the only way forward, and that's that's right. too far. Like, that's not where we are at all. But then there's another camp I see, and I think you were alluding to this with your. Uh, you know, the writer that you've enjoyed over the years and, and people.
2: Jayberg, Berg, I'll call him Berg. Berg. Yeah. I'll send him the, I will send him the damned link because I, he needs to, he, he got on today and he provided a, a pretty, what I thought was like, you know, I, I don't know why he's doing it. I have no clue, but he's defending Based upon his present read of things.
0: But he's not alone. That's what I'm saying. Jay Berg is not yes, alone in his assessment. Yes, There's absolutely there right. is a pretty big constituency out there. And this is the group you're talking about, whether it's personal relationships. I personally think from a fan standpoint, it's people wanting this to work so badly. They want this to yeah. they were already to they were already to move on. Me too. I wanted it to work too. And I was the same guy yeah. where I was ready to, I was not unhappy seeing Mick take that job in UCLA. I thought, okay, fresh start, new style, new era. Let's get after it. I want to see it work. But what it feels like those folks are doing is we are ignoring every single other sign we've seen now for one and a half, almost two seasons. And there's an in-between here where it's okay to acknowledge there are some major issues right now with the basketball program. You do not see players Leave the program midstream like this over and over and over again. Two of those we can chalk up to COVID. You can we'll give we'll give COVID the blame for this. I think it's a bit of a stretch, but in Gabe Madsen's case and Zach Harvey's case, that's their excuse. But then when it comes to when it comes to uh Ivanouskis, when it comes to Jay Sarola, and when it came to Mamadou Diara, who opted out for COVID but then opted back in not because of COVID. There's something else going on there. There's there's just not a comfort level with players to, to feel invested or, or staying comfortable playing basketball, which like you said, this is what they love doing. If you're an athlete that's reached this level, you love the sport. It's what you want to do. It's just getting out there, hooping, playing, competing. And there are guys on this team, more than one now, multiple that have said, we're good. I'm going to stop
2: doing this right now. If if Zach Harvey returns next season, great. COVID, but we all know he's not coming back. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. If Gabe is Gabe Matson coming back,
0: I don't think we know definitively.
2: Very I, I, I think is. I
0: think
1: I think Gabe is still is still truly up in the air. Um, I think the one though to watch out for, and this is just just because of the body language I think we're seeing lately, and maybe the lack of. There's definitely I think a lack of, a change in the way Tari Eason has been playing. Uh I'm I'm terrified that he's actually going to be looking at that transfer portal. Um uh, he's been posting an awful gone. lot on Twitter specifically about Washington State, uh and individual
2: players gone. on Washington State. Gone. He's gone. So uh I think he's gone. If if that happens, I, think I mean he's gone. I think he's gone. And I think that he's he may not be the only one. There may be, I don't know, there may be others. There may be folks who were really close friends with Zach and who worked out with him this summer. They may leave too. I mean, look, you've got, this happens. They, they do have a cultural problem. And the solution is to, it not to uh, step into a press conference and to blame them for the cultural problem. Correct. That's dumb. Yeah. It, does, dumb. it doesn't I, work.
0: It doesn't work. there's, there's just nothing changing that's kind of that's kind of the problem I've had for for however long this tenure's been um on court the problems have been the same again and again and again sloppy basketball it's not a team defensively that's making rotations consistently I mean Terry Nelson it's kind of a joke the way he he mentions it and it's a bit tongue-in-cheek you know coach stepping in for charges I can't stand how the charge block call is officiated in college basketball. But it is a defensive strategy, given how it's officiated. And I can't remember a player on the Bearcats stepping in for a charge this season. I cannot remember it. Mm -hmm. And and this all goes, so we're we're mentioning the players departing. We didn't even get to the fact that we don't have players committed yet for the 2021 Mm -hmm. season or the 2022 season. So save me the talk of being excited about the future. That's why I need everyone to take a step back from your extreme corners. But there is, there is a very clear – this is leaning one way. And the folks who are concerned, yeah. the folks who are saying, hey, there's a problem at, with the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball program right now, you are much closer to, to the right answer. Like you are having the appropriate reaction to what we're seeing on the court and off the court because of everything that's happened. You can't just say, hey, guys, we lost to a top 10 team. Come on. Like you're overreacting. No. This happened on top of everything else.
2: Right. Yeah. We lost to a, a sixth ranked team, and it's, it's convenient to be able to point to that and go, Oh, you're overreacting. We lost to a top 10 team on the road, but it's, it's easy to, to try to wallpaper over all of the other problems as if that's a silly, you know, gripe to have. No, 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 no. It's the amalgamation of all of these things. It's the collective. It's yes, there is a pro we played like, Hot garbage today. Okay, yeah, but there's also a a front door problem and a back door problem with the University of Cincinnati Bearcats problem program. We're not getting there. There's not a pipeline of recruits interested in playing at the University of Cincinnati, and of the players who have already committed, there is a very real problem with folks leaving the program. Okay, so we've got we've got a you know, a bad product on the court. And then we've got a less than promising a lackluster product of potential on the court product. Okay. So we got real issues. Okay. We've got kids. I I get it's unprecedented what the world is going through and there's a pandemic and I, I get all of that, but it's more than that. Right. Let's, let's be real. Let's, let's stop trying to look with our hearts and let's look with our eyeballs and with the you know the mushy stuff between our ears and go all right common sense tells me sometimes kids leave a program sometimes kids transfer but common sense also says not this many right absolutely and
1: exactly not and common, common sense like says Cincinnati like We're we're not a stepping stone. This is not a program where recruits come thinking, you know what, I'm going to come play Cincinnati for two years. And then, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to go to Kansas or I'm going to go to Duke or, you know, I'm going to transfer to West Virginia. They come here because they're going to play for the Bearcats. You know why you go to Colgate? So you can transfer to the Bearcats. So you can transfer to Kansas. Like that's that's what those schools are for or not necessarily what they're for. But that's Rappel has clearly had that idea. You know, he was going to go there, get, get some, get some exposure transfer. And that's just not what we are. I think it's important to note that there's a big difference. I've been seeing so many comparisons between, you know, Cronin's situation. Oh, well, he had a bad first few years. He was handed a program that was at that point gutted. Yep. John Brandon was handed conference player, a reigning conference player of the year. Like this, yeah. this program was just handed to that him on a, on a silver platter, just wait, waiting for success to explode. And now we're, we're seeing it in real time implode and people are, are giving in the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, well, I think mean, that time has passed COVID. It's real. Yes. But we're not doing program dealing with it. Wichita state. I told Kumar, I was going to murder someone if they beat Houston. Cause I'm like, they lost seven players last season, seven, they had an entire, they have one returning player, C uh, or senior this year. Everybody else is basically new to that team, and they are currently first place or tied for first. I don't know the percentages is, is what bumped them up there, but they are currently fighting for the top spot in the conference, fighting for a number one seed in a tournament. Meanwhile, we're out here barely scraping by.
2: Yeah, yeah, that the eyes do not lie, and and if you look at, I mean, look at how Kelvin Sampson has built the Houston program. How did how did he start? He started with incredible team defense. Maybe that's what it takes to build a, a, a powerhouse in the American Athletic Conference. You're getting a different type of player. Maybe, I don't know. I think there's a, a second issue that I see is if, if things are not going well and you've got some players who are elite, like a Zach Harvey, of course, people are going to circle the program to try to take those kids. There is this big transfer portal there is this COVID excuse. So if I'm an elite level coach and I see Jeremiah Davenport performing the way he has, I'm hungry. Oh, don't tell me, Don't, right?
1: don't, 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 don't scare me.
2: <laughs> I, I think there's a real possibility he leaves this summer. I do. Yeah. I think he's probably. I think he might be top of my list. Him and Tari. I think both of those guys might. I mean, it seems like that's where the program is. It seems
1: like they've lost. It's like, there's definitely like a, there's not a buy-in. That's why there's also a lack of culture. So I wouldn't be surprised. Look at the end of the day, these kids, they want to, they want to play. They want to win. And there's going to be teams that want to pick them up because they're talented enough. Yeah. We said this all year. This team is not lacking talent. That's not what it's lacking.
0: Well, We've lost, no. Like we have lost talented players now. Like at some point it, there, there are diminishing, uh, there are effects. Like you said, the first thing you said on this podcast was, was, you know, Hey, maybe there's an impact from losing player after player after player. And, you know, Zach Harvey, I think a lot of us think that he probably wasn't getting the, the minutes he should have been getting given the talent, given the potential, given the the scoring ability when this team so badly needs it. Um, he's that's a big loss for
2: us. Those minutes have to. Be- he's an elite player. He's an elite player, and and I'm not ready to say anyone. Elite.
0: Like I don't think he's proven he's elite, but he's he's a Are higher level talent.
2: He's elite. Elite. He's elite. What? It- yeah, absolutely. I think, I think. I think he's elite. I think. I think. I think, I think he is the. Elite. I think each of you should get 30 only- seconds
1: to present your arguments for elite, <laughs> <He's> not elite.
2: <laughs> he's the only. First off, I mean, you look at his background coming in. All right, but fine. I care about the product on the court. When he had an opportunity to play, he was the only player who could, in spurts, when he wasn't able to even get into the rhythm of the game and have a huge volume of time, prove to be an electrifying scorer. He was also a player that if you look back last season at how well he was able to defend, for me to hear defense as a cover for why he is someone who was not deserving or warranting more playing time this season, I think you're bananas. I think the kid has an elite capacity to score unlike any other player on that team save keith williams who's also been nerfed by the president administration
0: so zach carvey was the second most talented player on the team if we're talking pure talent Tari Eason's number one zach carvey was the most the second most talented player on the team i don't think he's put the skill set together yet to really call him elite if he does figure out the passing side of the game if he's if he learns how to use those drives to create for others and finish a little bit better at the rim it's there. Like he's a very high upside player. I see it. It's a, it's a big loss. I saw, you know, the Houston, one of these Houston podcasts, uh, I think it's a Scott and Holman podcast sent out a tweet about the, you know, this being the biggest loss of the Bearcats season and every other game they've played against the American athletic was a close game. And, you know, this was the biggest loss. This wasn't the biggest loss. The biggest loss of the season was Zach Harvey for sure. And, and what you're, what you're describing. Hummer,
2: Hummer. Hold on, can I interrupt you for a second? I think that was thirty seconds. And Hummer, did he just make my case for me? I think he
1: did. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. Nothing further. Him Nothing further, Your Honor. He's not
2: an elite player on the basketball court yet. I thought we were talking we about on the. the-, it the- like that's what you said. You just said he was the biggest loss of the season. That sounds like you're saying he's an elite player.
0: No, 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 no. I, I the think upside what, I, for I a team that we has no recruits, is- losing a guy who has two more years of eligibility, that's pretty damn impactful yes. to our to our prospects.
2: Big time. Although, uh, eligibility is not true. Really an issue. True. So three years, he could have played another three years with the Bearcats. Unprecedented situation. Unprecedented. So yes. President.
1: Uh, I, I, I'm just laughing at the whole situation. Cause I'm really looking at a situation where we are going to be, I guess by choice, maybe going after Juco players, like that's, that's going to be the Bearcats future. Like we're going back to that voluntarily. Um, uh, because there's nothing on the horizon, and Har- Harvey, no, no, uh, no. They call him like elite. I still think it's like if he was a, a truly an elite level player. Like you're looking at a Jaron Cumberland was elite. He played how many minutes? We were talking about this the other day. couldn't refresh me? Was he like a 20 minute, 19? Jaron minute, Cumberland
0: played just under 20 minutes a game his freshman year,
1: and then he played 30. He got into 30 minutes right into a sophomore year, and really never dipped below that until his senior year. If if Zach Harvey was elite he would that's where he would have been i feel like i think he could be there i think he he has the ability to become that elite player i think right now he was that kind of a good spark off the off the bench should have probably actually been starting instead of mike saunders jr maybe that's why he's he decided to leave i don't know just reading the tea leaves here um thinking yeah. that you know he should get some more playing time i don't think we were utilizing him correctly but then again i don't think john brandon's utilizing 90 percent of the players on his team correctly Actually, I think there's maybe only one, Jeremiah Davenport, that he's utilizing correctly.
0: So that's one of the biggest yeah.
1: things that I think the fan base is missing at
0: times. When we talk about Jay Sirola, I see a lot of people write off that Jay Sirola departure as saying, well, Chris Vogt got eligibility, so we didn't need Jay as much, and so he just wanted to leave. Well, why was Chris Vogt's eligibility a determining factor in Jay Sirola's minutes? Because that would assume that Chris Vogt is a clear, clearly better option than Jay Sirola. And we didn't have a long time with the guy, but he was clearly a better defender, um, a better rebounder. And those are things that are very important to this team. But John Brandon was still riding with Chris Vote, you know, for a majority of the minutes and has done so. And when you talk about Zach Harvey's defense, this is the biggest. Uh, I feel like I've said this is the biggest for a lot of things, but John Brandon has this habit of seemingly overlooking some players deficiencies on the, on the defensive side of the court. So I hear how important it is for defense to play good defense, to get on the court for a guy like Zach Harvey, for a guy like Tari Eason. We are playing several players that are oftentimes out of position, being scored over at the rim, not making defensive plays, yet it's not inhibiting their ability to get on the court. And I think that kind of inconsistency is going to do incredible damage to the trust you're trying to build with players. Because if you're trying to lay out a roadmap for, hey, here's how you get on the court, A, B, C, it's that simple. I think Mick was really good at this. Mick was very clear. It is, it's defensive execution. You do that, I'm going to play you. And when you did, you got, you made it to the court. Well, if you say that, and then that's not actually the driving factor, you see that you're playing guys who are making mistakes. They're not hitting their rotations. They're, they're, They're fouling like crazy. If those things are happening and you're still not seeing minutes, well, then you're just throwing your hands up and say, "Well, I don't know what to do. What do I actually have to do to get get on the court?"
2: Yeah, it, there's there's an assumption that offense is a system, like there can be a system on offense, but that defense is just effort. Insane, yeah. right? It's both are systems. If you look at Jim Boeheim's zone at Syracuse, it's elite. It's elite because it's a Well thought out, well taught, well coached, well executed, well personneled defensive system. Mick had a great defensive system. He made great in game defensive adjustments. Sometimes it was player for player. Sometimes it was, you know, brigade style, right? Sometimes it was effort. Sometimes it was screaming. Sometimes it was begging and pleading. But more than anything else, it was a system. And on offense, we, you know, with Brandon, there, there, there continues to be this, you know, this offensive wonkish understanding and stuff. And listen, I, I, I actually do get that. It's hard in a game to figure out what you're missing. Okay. I, I, you know, listen, I'm not going to say coaching kids scales, anything even comparable to what, his world is like okay this is his full-time job does it all day every day and five times on the weekend that that is what the comparison okay do it but let me make that comparison okay there are times where in the middle of the game you look down your bench and you go oh man boy did I forget about that guy right I got to get him some some minutes right that happens and I understand that sometimes you you leave options on the table that maybe you weren't even, you know, in the fog of war, in the fog of the game, the pace of play, you you missed it. But that's where if you have a healthy culture with assistant coaches who aren't terrified of losing their jobs or who have gained your trust, earned your respect, and who can provide you with wisdom, they'll say that. They'll whisper that, hey coach, look at this, right? I'm, you know, it's it's one thing to have the data. It's one thing to talk about the data in the post-game presser. It's another thing to deploy that data, not just at halftime, not just to make halftime adjustments, but to make in-game adjustments, to get that data on an ongoing, regular basis and to have assistance that you trust to believe, you know, to, to, to be wise enough to help nudge personnel opportunities onto the court for you. I don't know that that's taking place. I don't know
0: great explanation um we're lost on defense we we have no i don't see any evidence of a defensive system we've given up countless open layups without even you
1: you, we're on windows 95 it's still being
2: installed okay yep it's it's linux it's complicated you wouldn't understand <laughs> I definitely don't understand the offense is just like similar
1: like watching Houston a comment that uh, during halftime i think it was is like you actually see Houston running these like that legitimate offensive plays that are designed to get someone incredibly wide open on a pick and roll, and what are we doing? <laughs> we run the same pick and roll every play. Send Mama Do or Chris Vote up to the top. He sets a pick. He rolls to the basket. We pass the ball around the arc a few different times, and then we set up an ISO play to to drive in to drive into the basket. That's basically our offense in a nutshell. And you know, like
2: very complex, though
1: very very complex. You know
2: lots of variations, lots of tweaks, you know, just takes time. Just give it a, give it five more years.
1: John is always like six games, six or seven games behind uh, everything that everybody else is seeing. You know, that's why it takes him so long to admit it's a culture mistake. We all said this like six months ago or six months. We said this back in December. I think we had Leonard Stokes on when we actually brought up the culture and team identity saying we didn't have it. And I think that was Leonard, uh, Leonard's biggest like takeaway from it was just, you you flat out said it this team doesn't have an identity they don't play hard on defense they don't have a culture and now six weeks later here we go we're finally getting an admission from it
2: well it for me the scariest yeah for for plenty the scariest moment happened today all right and it's not rock bottom the program's been worse um it's dire it's dire things are bad okay right okay things are rough it's fine this is fine <laughs> this is fine yeah right mom mom and dad are they're still on the same roof right but they're throwing things at each other and they're yelling okay it looks like the breakup's coming all right well who knows is that dark that's probably dark that's pretty dark. but that's pretty dark,
1: yeah, um, but
2: it's like, right really, now, what else would I you expect think, from a lawyer? I
0: think we're at the passive aggressive stage. They're making those kind of comments <laughs> under their breath about, you know. There you yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. There's 37, yeah. There people. Are There's 37 people who are not being passive aggressive. Everybody else does this kind of. Thing. Yeah, We're yes. at the
0: part where fans yes. send out tweets about divorcing the results from and living in the process. That's, that's the part of the, the game we're in where you just make these snarky comments. Uh,
2: Trust the process, baby. <laughs> Trust the process, uh, yeah. My, live in the so, process. So my concern is, uh, sorry for the dire tangent, but my concern is, is you know, today again felt like the fruit of the poisonous tree. To me, the scariest moment that I've witnessed all season was against USF at home. To me, that game was t- was terrifying because it looked like nobody was awake at the switch. Because they came in and they handed us a home loss. They were comfortable. For
1: the first time ever, scouting, I UCF, I believe.
2: And their scouting report defeated us. Brian Gregory out-coached. Brian Gregory out-prepared. And we showed up completely flat on our back, confused. We played confused. The team played confused. It wasn't an identity issue. It wasn't a culture issue it was a preparation issue that team was not properly scouted and there was not a in a game plan that would have provided us with the right opportunities to not just beat them oh, like by a mild margin but to boat race them that was not in place that to me was the scariest moment to Yeah, today feels like of course
0: well that's the thing now because of where we're at today i feel like everything i look back on it's sort of like oh that's we should i should have seen it then like hummer and i were talking offline about the bowling green game from last year at the paradise jam the games that no not very many people could watch because of the horrible
1: flow sports streaming i had had a front row seat for that one
2: i don't i don't want to hear that about i will not tolerate any sort of flow sports libel or defamation
0: oh i forgot your personal sponsorship
2: no i'm just best okay. friends with the the no i'm kidding i don't know them but i do no are they the, are, the big thing no, about that not game. the paradise jam people Is, yeah they were the, the paradise, paradise, they were jam, paradise jam they were
1: paradise uh, we were the unofficial broadcast for the bowling green game i've, I've periscoped okay. it hummer
0: was there okay. uh looks like neil slayton who's tuning into this he was there and at, at yeah. the end of that game
2: Tell Neil, it, it, Neil, if you're listening, I, I need you to wear something different because today's outfit it didn't help.
0: I feel like we just need to pop our Was shirts not. off. We need to pop them off.
2: <laughs> did not help. Today's today's attire did not help the team at all. So figure out a new Lazy Boy configuration. Rearrange the furniture in the family room where you're watching the game. Something's got to give, Neil. And this is kind of, this is partially on you. I think it's mostly <laughs> if on you him. have it. If he, if he sits the Ottoman, like two feet to the right, it's probably a 20 point loss, but instead, thanks, Neil.
0: Could have done more. Go back, Could watch have, the tape. Should, should have. And, and think about <laughs> when you need to move, move the, uh, move the lounge. Uh, the yes. reason I bring up Bowling Green, he let Chris McNeil take 21 free throws in that game. Chris McNeil was getting hacked mm. at the end of the game. And again, and again, and again, and again, we just kept putting the ball in his hands. Awful free throw shooter. And did, no matter what he shot from the free throw line, his confidence was gone in that game. And the coach just kept doing it again and again and again, and and kind of saw us get that forced us into overtime. We eventually lose the game. And then you see, and then you realize, okay, well, he really went after Rappelis Ivanowskis hard. Like this is something he really believed in, really wanted him to be a part of the Bearcats. But he also knew that Rappelis was insistent upon being a four, a power forward. Which meant he would have to play alongside Chris Vote because Chris Vote is someone who's very much in the the primary rotation for Brandon. Brandon, right? Like
2: that's is it Chris Brand- Brandon? Brandon, <laughs> anyways,
0: Uncle Uncle John. <laughs> um, I kid, I kid, right? But pairing those two together, you could see it a mile away. That was not going to be nearly athletic enough to match up with any sort of high level D one team or anybody in the American Athletic that runs its course. We see Tari Rapalis leaves the program. I hear today on the post game. A comment from Brandon about the the lack of length in the backcourt, and that I like we like recruiting longer longer guards, longer wings. And I thought, okay, let's run through the backcourt. The backcourt is David DeJulius, a a Brandon recruit, someone he brought in from Michigan. I would say one of his bigger accomplishments, but someone who's six feet tall. He brought in uh, Micah Adams Woods, that is a John Brandon recruit, and someone who's six three but has a long wingspan. I would describe him as long. Regardless, Mikey Saunders yep. Jr. That's another Brandon recruit. Someone he specifically recruited and brought in again. Probably, probably. Uh, I don't know how tall. How tall are you, B Fox? 6'3". three.
2: Six
0: three. Wow, yeah.
2: impressive. hundred and thirty-five pounds. So
0: Mikey is somewhere Ripped, probably chiseled. <laughs> he's probably somewhere right between me, five nine, he's six and foot. and B Fox, six three. So that's another John so Brandon recruit. Uh, Mike we've Saunders got is, Mason Saunders is is six foot. Six foot. But he has a good wingspan, but again, not a lot of size. Mason Madsen, the only person in the backcourt on this team that has any sort of real length would have been Keith Williams, which is not a John Brandon recruit. It was just an interesting off Who? offhand comment. Who? Who?
2: Who did you just say?
0: Keith Williams was not a John Brandon recruit.
2: I thought he grad. He didn't graduate last year. <laughs> He's out there. Okay. He's still there. He's still out there yeah. one for ten today. I, some some might say, um, what in the world happened? Right? Some might ask that question to Keith. Right. Like Jaron last season, what is going on that these elite guys play in a different system and are suddenly nerfed? Was it was it defense leading to offense? Is it that the system is really is fails to maximize the personnel that are on the court? I'm just asking Is it a, a monsters situation? I'll listen, I'll, I'll listen offline. Is it a monster
0: situation where the powers have actually been taken out to UCLA and, and California and, and the team has been left lifeless because of it? Do we need the secret stuff?
2: I don't know. What's, I don't know. What's the stuff? Yeah. I wish I knew what the stuff was. Um, so you're saying effectively that his comment makes no sense.
0: I, that's what I'm saying. And, and again, yeah. we're just seeing... It's not just like, that's kind of the thing that's mind blowing. It's
2: not just culture. It's the actual. But who wouldn't, by the way, can I, can I defend him for a second? Who wouldn't want to recruit length in the backcourt? I mean I I would like I would to love that too. Long guys it doesn't mean that we necessarily land them. Maybe that's what he was saying. Like, no, I no. like to go after guys that are six seven. I like six seven point guards. You know, I like that are I never like gonna seven, commit here. I like
1: seven foot centers that can shoot three pointers, okay? I like seven foot <laughs> me one. Too. I like them to shoot I, three pointers, I like them to be able to drive yeah. to the hole in an ISO. All right, I want Joel and Beads on this
2: team all day, every
1: day, every day.
2: Give me Kevin Durant. That's who I want I I want to bring the ball up. I want I want a six <laughs> eleven guy who could handle the rock and shoot threes. Is that asking too much?
0: Well, we could, we could put mama do at the point. I think he showed some ball handling ability today. took it off the dribble one time. There was a travel call, but I, I, I disputed the call. I guess my point is I'm concerned, not just about the culture, not just the ability to inspire, not the ability to, to get these guys to buy into one another, fight for something bigger than themselves. I mean, it's concerning that the coach was basically saying that's something, that's what they struggled with. They were, failing to play as a team. And then post COVID, they started playing as a team. You know, now we're right back to, I don't know if that's true or not. Right. I didn't see that much difference in terms of. We beat,
2: we beat four bad teams. I mean, I, I'm three sorry. We beat teams. three bad teams. One twice. That temple team sucks. I'm sorry. Tulane sucks. Yeah. We got them on the road. Great. But it's Tulane. Okay. And then, uh and then we beat UCF. I, I'm sorry. I'm not that those four games to me were the worst barometer in the world to measure whether we've progressed or whether the the team has gotten any better I, when we play elite competition like today we got exposed we're not very good
1: look at who we had last year I, I, I god I've said this to kumar so many times because I'm like so sick of the, the, the getting sick of this conversation not with you just in general uh, Brandon because he, no it's and, fine just say it handled, If you want to hurt my feelings here in Cumberland <laughs> offensive player of the year for the American athletes and Trey Scott defensive player of the year. Yeah. And we still and only beat temple by one at home on the last game of the season.
2: Can I, can I share my, so I've heard so many people say this, well, John Brandon won a conference you know, title in his first year or John Brandon's record is blah, blah, blah. It's like, who cares? I don't Last year we were not that good. Like, yes, we tied for first in the conference. First off, our conference was absolute cheeks. That's a term of art. And then on top of that, you look at how bad our conference was, stir into that the fact that the only way we were going to make it to the NCAA tournament last season is if we won the conference tournament. So it's not a good team. We had great personnel returning offensive and defensive player of the year, and yet we were playing in a down league we tied for first and we would have had to win our way into the tournament. I'm sorry. That's not great.
0: No, it wasn't. And, and all you have to do is remember how you felt during that season. I mean, there we felt (laughs) during that season, the same way we feel this season, just with less less wins. I mean, that's basically what it's, it's the same feeling of boy, we're just not putting anything together and we don't seem to be maximizing what we
1: have at our disposal. And I'm not seeing the same. A lot of installing. Okay, a lot of installs. Big, big program files. Big install.
2: <laughs> big stall. Big stall. Did you say stalling? We were stall. <laughs> yeah, that was my. Pro- I mean, it, here's the thing. Like last year, I, I I feel like I watched every game and I wanted to have a heart attack and it pained me. It was painful. This year, I am. I don't even listless. I, I am. I'm not apathetic because I care and I love my program, but I'm, I'm a little like, you know, come on. It's more frustration. And, and what I think people mistake. I mean, this is, this is one of the dangers, right. Of not being in, in, you know, a, in the ACC is our fan base has an attention span that is only so long and folks aren't going to react by putting fake, you know, for sale signs in Brandon's yard. That's not how our fan base reacts. We scream and rant on Twitter. Somebody creates a change.com or change.org petition. And then next season, people just don't, they don't tune in. You don't sell season tickets. People stop showing up to games. You can blame it on, oh, it's a pandemic and people aren't sure. And there's still this, you know, whatever people will tune out. People will stop paying attention. That's, that is the price. I, I, I actually was, I remember after Luke Fickle's first year, which by the way, please do not make that comparison. They're different sports entirely. And Luke Fickle has earned the respect and admiration. And, and for some of us affection uh, that
1: he's definitely top 10 on the camp Palm respect meter. Come
2: on. We're going to have to put it. Yeah. We'll
1: have oh, to yeah. put an
0: explicit tag on <laughs> yeah. this, on this feed. If, if we get B Fox start talking about fickle, it's going to get <laughs> that shirt. Might... <laughs> Rub your nipples.
2: Just a librarian. <laughs> um, but you know, I you look at how after his first year I recall thinking, holy cow, like this guy's just a big stable of slogans, it's just one after the other, right? And he's 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 monogramming his jackets for dear for dear god, please. Somebody's help. And we were we were a four and eight team, and we looked like we should have won one game. And I remember thinking we got to burn the boats. Like this is going to get real bad. And I remember thinking the price of of failure here, Luke, isn't just that you know people. This isn't Columbus. People aren't going to show up in your neighborhood. They're not going to do a sit-in. Nobody. They will just stop caring. Everyone will ignore you. No, that so. is the price that yeah. You know, <laughs> like that's the end of it. And and we are we are in danger right now of becoming irrelevant. And I'm not sure there's much worse for a new coach than to be irrelevant in terms of recruiting, in terms of everything else. If the things that you say in press conferences, if your reputation on the recruiting trail is, you don't want to play for this guy, he's a monster, not good. Or you don't want to play for this guy, he's not a winner, not good. Right. So now we're – Right? I mean –
0: We're two seasons. This is the second season. So the first season, some people would defend it. We, at the end of the day, know that that team was not nearly as good as they should have been. That was an underachieving season with lots, lots of red flags built into it that that you could potentially look past if everything started turning around in the second season. We're in the second season. Things have gotten worse, and what you laid out previously, which is the fear of additional transfers, I hate the fact that we have to think about this, but it's just the truth. We've had enough guys, guys leave at this point. We currently have two COVID opt-outs who may or may not be coming back right now. All signs point to, they are not coming back, those two players. And if you have additional opt-outs, that means we head into the 2021 2022 season with the roster that would be absolutely depleted of talent. And we have no recruits on the docket and how hard and how difficult does it begin how, how difficult is it to attract good players here when you see a mass exodus? That's why it's okay to be concerned. It's okay to voice these concerns. and in fact, our fan base should be speaking out like this. I think we're actually doing them a service by saying, hey, we' this is a problem. this is this is we're, we're heading to the cliff. the waterfalls right there. We need to get to shore. <laughs> yeah. please
2: uh, do, something. Hey, here. do something Somebody
0: do something.
2: Right, right. Paddle, somebody paddle. And can I just say this? I get that we have a historic program. We won two national championships in the 1950s. I get that we have made some final fours in the last 30 years. I get that we have had some success and we've been a perennial power. We've at least been in the discussion for a good long while. But may I suggest that what we have to sell here can be outsold if you were to maybe compare apples to apples, right? I step outside and I'm cold. I feel like there are times where I feel like I haven't seen the sun in what feels like weeks, maybe months, okay? Today was a blessing. If you're U- Today was a blessing. If you're UCLA, it's different, right? Maybe it's sun is setting. Right? are <laughs> your 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 national championships are more are definitely in the rear view as well your relevance is maybe you know you haven't been relevant since the o'bannon brothers it's been a while but man it's westwood it's la it's di- it's a little it scales a little different okay so we've gotta we have got to circle the boats. the wagons whatever metaphor we're using we've got to find some sunlight i don't know but we (laughs) We got to get off this oregon
1: trail we have to set up a settlement okay yes we will die of dysentery i want (laughs) to yes
2: bad way to go horrible way to go let's let's game theory
0: this out then and let's say that we're looking for that 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 speck of sunlight that we're going to start paddling toward
2: or showing toward where is it that
0: what i want where to ask is it, you is baby? what is it i'm in what is does it, it look what? like is it not, is That's, it, is i it want to iona? talk through it with you guys what does it look like are we in a kayak is what it in we? iona i want yeah double paddled kayak i mine saying my my kayak, my kayak my kayak board inboard motor i've jumped into your kayak i'm sitting on your lap and we're trying to paddle to shore we're trying to find the okay. sunlight we're, we're saying hey Okay. We're not going off. We're not going over the waterfall. Okay. We're going to turn this Nobody around. To go to the we're going to go to safe ground. And we're going to, we're going to get this thing back on course. We're going to find where we're supposed to be. What happens? Like, how does that, how does it look from this point on the Bearcats are seven That's, and eight. We have no yeah. recruits. We have guys that <laughs> seem iffy in terms of returning. We have
2: some opt-outs. So I feel like you're, I feel like you're paddling towards the waterfall, right? Now. I'm not. When you say I'm that. trying to
0: say yeah. how from this moment forward, you're John Brandon, B Fox, you're John Brandon. You've got that deep voice. How are you turning this program a lot
2: around? Um, I don't know. And that's the thing. I'm not, I'm not a turnaround guy. I'm not that John Brandon has paid millions of dollars to figure this out. His staff, this is their only job. Fix it. Guys, fix it. And if you can't, we got to find somebody who can. I mean that that that's the answer. The answer isn't going to be provided by you, Hummer, you, Hummer, or me. Like we're we're just dudes. We're just regular old dudes. I mean, yeah, I can still ball. Of course, you yeah, can. I'm dominant. You put me in the game, I'm dominant, I, I right? I can
1: play the horse, but I'm
2: out of eligibility. I'm out of eligibility, so I can't fix it. And and John, they're John not going to hire. Would love you. He would love your game. Yeah. I know he would. <laughs> he really would. If if we were related. It, it, we're, we're at a place where he's got to figure it out. And, and I, I really I genuinely believe that, that, that he needs to have some sort of realization that whatever he thought this job was when he came here, it's not that. It's not that. That, that kids today, it doesn't matter what program you're at, Bobby Knight couldn't win a game in this culture that's not true I actually don't believe that but Bobby Knight could not be a dominant coach in today's basketball game it looks different the way offenses are run is different the way defenses are run are different but it's way more than the X's and O's the way you
1: hit players is different kids Greg Marshall <laughs>
2: yeah that's right the way you go after people who park in your spot like the game the game is culturally different. Young men who come to your program have different expectations. The yes, the transfer portal has changed the game, which means that you can't be an asshole. I'm sorry, but like, you can't be over the top intense guy until you have a track record that gives you and provides you with the gravitas to do that. Exactly. You haven't earned anything. You wanted NKU. Who cares? Nobody cares. Northern, I don't Northern care. Northern Kentucky sure I wanna, didn't care. They didn't care. They nobody in their league cared. Nobody in the nation cared. The only reason we knew about him was because he's local. So now you're at the University of Cincinnati. Fantastic, right? You took that job and you performed and executed enough that Mike Bone was willing to hire you. Okay, great. Now what are you going to do? Because you've got, if you're John Brandon, you got to figure out how how to recruit kids in this new environment, how to retain kids, it's a different, that's a different muscle that not a lot of coaches have developed yet. And unless you have the gravitas of a winning track record, it's going to be even harder to retain kids. So now you've got to recruit, recruit, you've got to develop, and while you're developing them, you've got to retain them. And then then you can figure out the X's and O's. That's a piece of it, of course. You
0: can't even but get the, to the X's the, and O's until you do all of those, all of those other things. You can't even yeah,
2: get to the, it. the X's and O's are poisoned if you can't fundamentally retain and develop talent. And that is an entirely different thing. You can't yell people into acquiescence. You cannot lead with an iron fist in 2021. People will bolt. They will talk behind your back. Your locker room will be filled with kids who say, you are a huge jerk and I don't like you. And I don't care if the team is successful because my hatred for you or my frustration with you, my disappointment with you, outweighs my desire to be a successful team member. Sometimes that happens culturally. I'm not sure if we're there yet. I haven't talked to any of the players who have indicated that's where things are. But I do, I I have been in and around teams where I've seen and observed that takes place. So if you're John Brandon, you've got to get religion right now. And you've got to figure it out. And you've got to, if your assistant coaches aren't the sorts of people that you're willing to take feedback from, if they're not the sort of people who can help actually nudge the game in the right direction by giving you better data, better suggestions, better accountability then you've got to let them go. And letting them go ought not to be cover for you to stay or to get an extension, all right? You've got to figure out how your team of coaches is going to function. You've got to figure out how you're going to function in this environment. And you've got to take the balance of this season, and you've got to hit the reset button entirely. And and wiffle ball didn't do it. It's more than wiffle ball. It is more than wiffle ball. There, there Breaking news, to be... it's
0: going to take more than wiffle
2: ball. <laughs> wiffle ball ain't getting it done, okay? We lost by 38. It's going to take more than wiffle ball, okay? And and Zach Harvey left after wiffle ball. If the season sets up in pre-wiffle ball and post-wiffle ball, Mr. Harvey departed post-wiffle ball, okay? So culturally, it's bigger than just maybe creating some fun stuff. And it's also – You've got to stop pressing the, hey, it's really hard because of COVID or, hey, it's really hard because these kids are having a hard time. Mental health is important. It is near and dear to my heart. Of course, I care about all of those things. But I, winners win. I, I, you know what I did not hear a lot winners win, uh, uh, about? Winners win. <laughs> I didn't hear Luke Fickle talking a whole lot about that. He just got it done. And it was worse. The situation was worse I heard he did a lot as of Zoom he was recruiting preparing. Too. I heard he did a lot of Zoom hey, recruiting. Oh, my gosh. He crushed it, right? And, and you look at how he handled the summer, and I know it's different. They're entirely different. But let me compare them as if they're the same. You look at how he prepared for the season, how he executed this fall. What I did not hear a lot of was him pointing it at the student-athletes, him blaming external circumstances. He just figures it out and that it doesn't matter i almost feel like it doesn't matter what organization what 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 your position of leadership is some folks they just absolutely get that and they figure it out he has not proven himself yet to be that person i'm not sure how much of my issues with john brannon are on his extreme introversion okay and me misinterpreting those signals but i do know that regardless of how he's wired He's got to get in the workshop, baby. He's got to, he's got to rewire things because there's got to be a different approach because anybody who does the same thing and expect the same results over and again is what crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy, um, insane, or insane, crazy. I say Hussein. You say shady. I, I mean, that's Eminem well, said that.
1: I mean, not not to go, I guess, too dark. But let's let's hypothetical. Let's play the hypothetical world where this doesn't turn around. The season obviously is a train wreck, so that doesn't matter. But next year also happens to be a train wreck. Uh, we're looking at the the buyouts. It drops to two million coming up here in uh, what forty days, forty days or so, or thirty uh, something days. March 31st 2022 drops to 1.5 what's what's the what's the number the university is willing to to let go if they're gonna if they're gonna depart with a coach and what's the, what do you think that the realistic like expectation is from the athletic directors uh, standpoint uh you know before they say you know what enough's enough we we've lost too much because i i I've, was watching the game today on ESPN and they were talking about what what samson has done such a great job of was re, uh, revenue uh, funding was soliciting donations basically is what they were kind of talking about building it from a Houston basketball team that had been decimated for after decades. And now it's resurgent into this, you know, what should be a national power, as you said, passing of the torch here. Uh That's something we're going to see, obviously probably fall off a cliff. If we have another bad season, you already mentioned it. Season tickets will disappear. No one, no one's going to go. Cincinnati is a fair weather town through and through. And I love us for it, but that is, that is what we are, you know, that no one will go. This isn't, you mentioned this, this is in Columbus where guys will literally stake out your house until they fire you. And then they're still going to show up to the games, even when, when they lose. Um, that's just not us. So what does it take? What, what is, what is John Brandon's threshold before the university starts taking a serious look at moving
2: on? It's a, it will not be a John Cunningham led decision. He's the athletic director, but um, historically, the University of Cincinnati has uh, made its decision at the board level. Board of Trustees will get fed up, and there will be one or more among them who calls the question, and then they move swiftly. Um, but they won't call the question. It, there typically needs to be two things. Well, first off, COVID is the you know
1: it it, like it or not the, it to
2: it's a it's a get out of jail
1: free card like it or not
2: yes. Yes. And so I, I, there's, it's hard to imagine John Cunningham doing anything. The most I could see John Cunningham do is, you know, saying I need a head and one of the assistant coaches gets fired. I mean, that is about uh, the extent of, I think, John Cunningham's intervention in the off season, maybe. And I doubt that because again, COVID is the, is the coverall, but the board typically moves when, one of two things is, is there. And typically you need both. You need horrible execution on the court. Right. But you also need some sort of practical social problem. Right. Um, You need some sort of bad behavior off the court. If both of those are there, then the board will move very quickly. If the team is just continues to play poorly. I don't know a mass exodus followed by something else right people saying the reason i left is because you know he's mean or he's you know insufferable to play for or what have you maybe that is the recipe i doubt it um i think i think it i think it could be a bit i think 1.5 it becomes more doable i also think just an extra season to fail you know, maybe, uh, if, if he does, if he's unable to turn around, then I think if we make it to next drop of buyout season in February and, and things look like this or worse. And I think that it's very likely they'll look worse. Just one man's opinion. Um, then I think it's a different situation. I think
1: mean, that makes sense. Cause it's, you That is a real consideration that you have to take a look at is the buyout situation. Plus, as a Bearcat basketball fan, I haven't been alive long enough to see a coach uh, get dismissed because of on-court performance. I've only seen them get dismissed for off-court performances.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, and it's tough because on the basketball, what you don't, yeah, on the basketball, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a risk reward thing, right? The board has to measure and weigh what is what is you know what's the risk of undertaking this decision. If the program is in shambles, you're you know you've you've kind of hedged against the worst outcome because the worst outcome is showing up and, and taking the court every day. So if if the program is it falls into disrepair if if there's a, an, an additional exodus of players this summer, then um then the board is going to look at this and go, okay, well what's the downside of switching coaches? Because clearly you know, he's not getting it done and there's no risk of him actually like, you know, of, of us making the switch and a switch costing us. Cause if the program is in shambles, it's in shambles. I got to say, you know, having watched IU and what it went through when it went, you know, uh, the Mike Davis era, and then you had Kelvin and, and then you had, they actually hired, I think Dan Dockage for like a, a maybe a five days or something. <laughs> um, he didn't stick what a dumb decision that was. Yeah. He did not stick into players hated. Him. Was that like and actually uh, the play? That, there was a mass, there was a mass exodus of players.
0: Really? Yeah. Cause I, they're, they're, I feel like that, yeah. that, that scenario you're laying out, if more players depart in the coming off season, like that is going to be, that's going to cause some sort of alarm across the entire fan base. I don't think you're going to see the two sides anymore. I think if you see, if you see Atari leave, if you see multiple kids from the freshman class he just recruited take off. I mean, at that point, everybody's, everybody's, you know, sensors have to be going off saying, whoa, something
2: is way wrong here. There's COVID and then there's, come on, right? Like COVID is a legitimate, you know, cover for a lot of these mistakes, but then there's like, okay, hold on though. You know, let's, can we audit this just a bit and, and, and add some common sense here and go, all these guys he brought in, they all left. Okay, if it's on them, then why did you bring him in? Then you're a ju- bad judge of character. Yeah, that's kind if of what on- I was
0: trying to say before. Is that we're there's yeah there's questions about the ability to inspire and build a culture, and there's questions about the decision making. There's questions about the entire damn thing at this point. It's it's mm-hmm. it's shocking to be going through this and this quickly. Um, you know, when you talked about the the task at hand and how difficult it is to see a world in which he turns it around, I think there's some things that that are just being completely left on the table here from a culture building standpoint, from a making this team cool standpoint, making it fun. Luke Fickle's got Sharky. I'm forgetting her first name starts Kelsey, Kelsey Sharky running this, this social media team, making cool videos, TikToks, and in, in the fold. You see some that are funny, but hey, all Cumber, in all, let me call you back. They're yeah, producing. Yeah, let, me, let me call you back. <laughs> fantastic. Just honestly, super easy to put together. Very fun great, great buzz for the football program. That's not happening at all with the basketball team. Where are the cool, where's the cool photography? Where are the social media videos, you know, with the work, working out in the locker room? Um, I don't know if you just can't do it.
2: Is it where is the, is the same level of access provided? Right. It's a good question to ask.
0: Right. And if you, and if there's not access, why isn't there access?
2: There's a super fun, uh, you know, video. Thing that he did for the Xavier game, you remember that? Yes. So I mean, that's the the mimic of Chris Mack, his friend. I mean, it, that's shocking. At some level, uh, it was weird, and, and that at some level, you got a major in the majors and minor in the minors, and if that's not, if you don't like Luke, if you're listening, <laughs> I got it. Uh, Luke, Luke has the personality <laughs> and the kind of dry sense of humor and he's 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 not he's extroverted enough and 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 very comfortable he's in his comfortable, own skin enough yes. to be to to be that and um again there the, it's a it's a much different track record it's a much different level of gravitas for luke luke can get on there if you know if luke had tommy tuberville's record it, it, it people aren't digging those videos. Right. But Luke is a proven winner and he's daggone handsome. (laughs) Kaboot. Right. So, so he could, he can do just about whatever he can take these great, you know, risks and pull them off. And, um, and the same can't be said right now of John Brandon. he's still too far in his infancy and he's even more far in the infancy of of his success it's still in the uh it's in it's in utero i mean it's not even right, it's but not born to, yet there
0: seems to be a lack of interest in even doing it there would have been plenty of opportunities last season with the team featuring jaron cumberland trey scott keith williams plenty of exciting plays to document plenty of exciting moments to capture and and put all over social media it just there's just they're they're
2: just not capital jaren i i I feel awful for Jaron Cumberland frequently. Oh yeah, I feel terrible when I, for when I think about. Yeah, and I know people. I, I plenty of people are like, ah, oh, yeah. Blah, blah. It's like, yeah, he he was an absolute warrior for the University of Cincinnati. You, you know, full stop. You can get bent. Full stop. Yeah, you can get bent if you want to criticize how he handled the transition. Get bent. The top ten Guy top was a 10, Top
1: ten, Bearcat all time. And yep. and it's a shame that it's like his reputation gets dragged through the mud because of his senior year when frankly i i yes there is probably a, a you know a, a point where you put some fault on him but i do think a lot of it was he was he was hamstrung the whole season they didn't want to utilize him. They, they should have he should have had the keys to the kingdom from day one you're the reigning conference player of the year you're the iso specialist you're the bulldozer give him give him the ball and let him do his thing and we didn't want to do that now you know and
2: we 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 that are our transition was, here's a system, take it or leave it. And the transition when you have returning offensive and defensive players of the year should have been, you know, what system would work? We came in with, declare. you know, John Brandon came in with declarative statements and he should have come in with questions about, Okay, so how do I how do I take this existing personnel and how do I optimize it? How you know I I would have sat down with Jaron been like, okay, what do what do we what do we need to do to be successful here? Because you've been that in this conference. I'm not saying you he doesn't become a player coach. I'm not that dumb. Uh, what I'm saying though is
1: Jaron, he here's, 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 here's here's look, Jaron. I've seen yeah,
2: you got years. one year. I've seen, I, we've, I, we
1: know the tape. You're the reigning conference player of the year. Here's maybe some of our vision. What's your, what's your take? What, you know what I mean? Like how, how do you see yourself fitting into a system like this? Get get, get the player's opinion on together it.
0: Together to make this year to be as successful as we possibly can.
2: How do we. And there's a reason. And the reason you do that is not just for Jaron. You're not just saying to Jaron, Hey Jaron, we respect and appreciate what you've done for the program. Thank you. That's a part of it. You're not just saying, hey, Jaron, we want to maximize your draft capital, right? We want to to put you in positions to where you succeed and where your last year gets used to maximize your opportunities at the next level. You're not just doing it for that. You're not just doing it so that you have a successful team that year. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do, but also because Keith Williams is watching. He's watching how you handle Jaron's senior year. And so are the other guys on the team. They're watching how you take a conference player of the year who stuck around and who committed to your program. And you're and they're watching to see how are you going to try to honor his commitment by doing everything that that is within your power to be honorable toward him. And I got to say it, the the external appearance is concerning in that regard. You want buy in buy into your guys look
0: yeah we, well we, we've had we've had details shared with us behind the scenes and, and and i've been permitted to share it like i can't necessarily say who it came from but specifically coming from jaron cumberland about the lack of trust about uh not feeling that brandon was going to f- bat for him in, in press conferences and that you know that agrees vice versa uh look at the treatment he he gave to other players and and when th- when that's happening it's just it's it's difficult to recover from. I wish we could have told a story here or painted a picture for a full recovery. I think it's extremely difficult to envision at this point. I will say the way the way it could happen that we haven't we've talked about all the things the bad things that could happen if nobody else transfers which feels like a 50-50 proposition at best right now and I might be being generous. But let's say it, let's say they all stay. That that's mm-hmm. the that's the avenue for potentially rallying the troops brandon having a come to jesus you know reforming the the health of, of the locker room you know there might be who who knows maybe the departures aren't the guys who are most critical to the future of the program right maybe you know there's some fringe lower minutes players who decide to go elsewhere you you get you get lucky on a couple more transfers in the in the vein of of david de julius and and things start heading in the right direction that's that feels so far-fetched and that's so sad and so depressing about the state of the program that just something that simple, Hey guys, don't leave guys, stay with the program. And we start turning things around. That's really hard to envision right now.
2: Yeah. I, the personnel has to change. The coaching personnel has to change. Uh, I'm not saying assistants need to be fired, but somebody has got it. There has to be some bridge between John and, it, again, it, recruiting is more than recruiting. You're recruiting these guys now with the transfer portal, all four years. So, yeah, great, great recruiting. But what are we going to do to retain these guys? We need someone who is specifically keyed in on retaining our existing talent. And I am fearful that once, once the, once the momentum gets moving in one direction, really hard to pull back. Really hard to tell a kid who you beat up.
0: Oh, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Or who, who
2: feels who feels demoralized by how either your system is or how your approach to the game is, or they feel like you were somebody on the recruiting trail that you're not in the locker room. It's very difficult to take that relationship and fix it. Right. And if you're 18, you're 19, you've been the best player on every team that you've played for growing up. Parents love how well you execute on the court. All your friends tell you how sweet you are, right? You're so friggin' sweet, dude. Can you come and hang out with us? Some of these, some of these gals might want to, might want to give me their cell phone number if you come, right? Like you go from a culture where people are worshiping and adoring you to now you're in this relationship with a coach that is treating you differently than you've ever been treated before. And it's gonna be really difficult to mend those fences if if you're not very strategic and very clever. He's got five plus I mean, five plus
0: games
1: that,
2: to
0: do it.
1: That's what has he has. That, has that like I almost want to say though, isn't that ship like I feel like the ship sailed. It sailed the minute that Brandon on a public uh press conference said that the loss of Mamadou Diara was not, and I quote, earth shattering. Like <laughs>
2: You, you yeah, basically it's so that's, that is it's so
1: that is, dismissive, and you know I know we're live and screw this, but it, that's that's shit talking your player. Like yeah. you shat, you sh- you talk shit about him to the entire city that was listening to that press conference, they all all Bearcat Nation. You said that Mamadou wasn't earth shattering, that it's not worth a second thought of him hooting the team, that it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. And it's like no, like you should be concerned. You could have said, who doesn't love Mamadou?
2: right? Like and of all of the targets to, to confront or to hold accountable or or whatever, Mamadou, right. that's the guy you pick. Right. That guy is, that guy is so funny, and he's he like his cookie. Have you guys ever seen the Mamadou cooking show? Yes. yes. Fantastic. Fantastic, fantastic. He's so likable. I mean, as a kid he, who he's a got great putter too, and man,
1: he it, he puts right into the sink. He's good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> The, I, yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah, there. The only way that gets there is the pride falls down. We'll see. And yeah. and that is a John Brandon project, right? Can 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 you, as a grown man, humble yourself to the point where you own some of this stuff? Right? You can if you're going to go to press conferences and talk about AAU culture. You can if you're going to go to press conferences and talk about how selfish the team is. We lost by 38. There's bigger problems than guys being selfish with the ball. Come on, really? Some of the players we could use a little more selfishness, frankly. Absolutely, like Tar- We need Tari. If it, it Tari just needs to like just take, try to take over every Which game, he did touch the ball in
0: garbage time. If, if you were giving yourself your lashings and were forcing yourself to watch the second half, he did. He was being assertive, Tari, and it was he's just a. a this long God, if six he if he made eight that, wiry <laughs> ball of athleticism and talent dripping with talent just why why are we not trying to figure out how he can do as much as humanly possible i really do believe john brannon has five plus games he has five regular season games left hopefully and a conference tournament to somehow secure the belief
1: the six games six games six games left
0: Right, and that's it. You're not gonna, you're not gonna recoup the relationships when you're not playing basketball. And the transfer portal opens up, and a mass, right, a mass transfer right now, Tari, is upon us.
2: Right now, tonight, somebody is editing down the Houston game footage for Tari. Right now, I mean, I don't know that for sure, but but if I'm Tari's uncle and I'm watching him play, and I know that he's pissed off, like I'm, I, I DVR'd it and I'm recording it, and now I'm going to edit. I'm going to create a mixtape for him that he can send to Washington State or Oregon or Kansas State or any other program that would be thrilled to have a kid like him in their fold, right? So if you're John Brandon, your recruitment of Tari Eason has not ended once he's committed.
0: Absolutely not.
2: It's not. He's He signed the letter of commitment. Fantastic. But guess it's what? It's his
0: job to keep him here.
2: I actually think they As- have done a good
0: job recruiting. I think that they are the ones who have largely built the relationships that have gotten players to campus. I think once they are here, that is where the head coach's recruitment is is critical. And with all the departures we're seeing, I think we're seeing that our coach has not been very good at retaining and and buy and getting players to buy into what he's building here. So I'm hope I for the sake of the University of Cincinnati, I'm still rooting for John Brandon. I want to see him turn it around. I want to see him have an epiphany and and kind of revamp the, the culture here of the basketball program. But at the moment, I know this was about an hour and a half of very cynical talk of the Bearcats basketball program. But given what we've seen last season, do
2: you want me to season, break something? Do you want me to break? I'll break. Can I can I anonymously break something or no? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I talk about that coach like that culture of coaches, um, One of the departing players in a message to me said that even John Brandon's assistant coaches are terrified of him. So can you imagine how the players feel? I'll throw that out there. So so the cultural problems started in with the head coach. Figure it out. It's up to John Brandon to figure it out. His assistant coaches cannot be, we cannot assume that they're gonna provide the balm necessary to heal this wound. This is a John Brandon problem. He's got to own it. He's got to take over and try to control it. And he's got to work his way through it. And I don't know what that takes. I'm not sure if he's up to the task. We'll see. I am, like you, rooting for him. Um, I, I think, think turnover turn is so No 10. one's rooting
1: for him more than me, man. Yeah. Sure. That's a lot of crow to eat right there if he goes from Hall of I, Fame to fired for perf- on-court performance I, issues.
2: Yeah, That is quite a swing. Um, I, I, I want him to win. I want him to succeed. I think turnover at the head coaching position is bad for a program. Yes. I think a lot of turnover is really bad. Um, and so I don't want him to, I don't want the John Brandon story to end with him getting fired because he's not performing. I, I would prefer that he writes the ship, but only he can figure out how to write the ship. And, and that's, that's a him project.
0: Well, the awkward reality is that you just dropped the most interesting bomb at the end of the podcast. Now I need to figure out how to get creative. Maybe I'll tease with it. Maybe before the theme music even cuts in, I'm just teasing with. Want me to break some news? Want me to to, to let one rip a little bit here? All right. You must wait sure. an
1: hour and a half before I do that. So listen
2: to the whole thing. Hey, I only want I only want the devoted folks to hear the real news. You know, if you if you were here for 53 minutes. Forget you. I don't. I don't want you to hear that. I agree. Yeah,
0: I agree. What else you don't? They don't, do they
2: don't deserve time. it. If you didn't sit through, and I, I've said this. If you didn't sit through the away game at UConn in 2016, I don't want to see at the Peach Bowl. Okay, because <laughs> it it doesn't mean anything to you. You haven't put your time in to get there.
0: Well, we're a couple short months away from uh, football season being underway again and campus hopefully being open back up and fans being back in the stands and we'll get Hummer in town. I want to catch catch a game with you or at least meet up before a game. Enjoy well, some beverages up. or just or there's, just there's share some be, stories some, be, some off, some off the record we're, stories off camera stories.
1: This is the time to announce that we're officially in uh, my wife and I we're going to go to the Notre Dame game. So we're we're going to go to the we're going to go cheer on the cats of the away game. We're going to do a weekend in Chicago. I think you know, Coomer's I think we should just make it a big party. You know, we should
2: what about – are you going to hit Michigan Avenue, the Magnificent Mile? Uh, <laughs> will you go there?
1: <laughs> My wife
2: might drag me there. Yeah, I think you'll be there. You will. If you're going to Chicago with your wife, you're going to Michigan Avenue, buddy. Enjoy you it. You better – I didn't think this out. You better enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going. I would – i I'm going to all of them except for that last ECU game. I, I – I, Well, I – I'm trying, here's what my thinking is I'm a little concerned about the Annapolis back-to-back with the Tulane road road games. Yeah, that's tough. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, I love, who doesn't love the Northeastern fall? Okay. So the Annapolis game feels like the right thing. I'd like to maybe swing up through Vermont, maybe see some pastoral scenery. Okay. Uh, and I love D.C. D.C. is a great town and, and lots of friends there. A, a former coach is there. Then then you've got uh then you've got Tulane down in New Orleans. And buddy, I love that town. Who that is a great food town, it's a great music town, great culture town, uh great culture town. Yeah, so it's gonna be hard to not go to that game. And uh Ma- Mike Colosimo, former Bearcats quarterback, is now on staff at uh Tulane University, the Green Wave. So uh be nice to see um QB Mike Carcino as well.
0: That'd be fantastic. So we do have that to look forward to. Uh we're going to ride out the season, hope for the
2: best. Bearcats baseball, Bearcats baseball started. I, I know that they've they've uh, been on games. a bit of ACC Yeah. and it's a been a it's tough sledding to start your season against Clemson, okay? And they they've done that, but I really like what the energy that Guggen's and his staff bring great dudes, great guy, like great coaches, great people who are really invested in, uh, their players. And, um, you guys should have, uh, Scott Guggins on. I think you'd really like him.
0: That's a homework assignment for Hummer and I, cause baseball is a blind spot for us. So maybe what we need to do yeah. is, is jump aboard the bandwagon for baseball, go all in Hummer. And then by the, as sort of a reward to ourselves, we'll, we'll use Bernard Fox as a way of, of getting Goggins on the podcast the base Goggins, Gugans, awesome when we Gugans. were when you're we, thinking David I was Gugans. thinking of uh Dave Goggins David from, yeah what's he been on
2: wait yeah well no not Scott David Gugans David is,
0: Goggins is the animal mar- ultra marathoner
2: yes but then yeah, there's he's also, the Navy SEAL guy.
0: I think Walter Goggins he's an actor from righteous gemstones
2: <laughs> yes fantastic series by the way yeah, great, great loved it um, but yeah googs you will really really like and uh his assistant coach is also great he's got like a, a hair piece kind of like guy fieri really likable dude you'll you would he he should be on as well you'll like him all
0: right man good tips we appreciate you coming on the podcast again to uh talk through our miseries here but
2: i think i think this was cathartic it was i feel better honestly i feel better
0: i do too we didn't, I, a little bit i don't think we have solutions necessarily but i think we identified the uh no, we, we the know true what the and real is issues. It's, it's
1: all on john brandon to find the solution so that's yeah that's what that's
2: why do. the guy gets paid a that's lot right
0: that's right i just like well to, if i, I, get, like if I got help, paid a million, million dollars it would be my
1: job to find a solution i know but, but I we
0: tried to problem solve and say hey john you probably don't want to play rapalist and chris vote together uh it's not going to work and uh i'm just trying to problem yeah. solve i'm trying to help out where i can <laughs>
2: And, you know, one thing that I've learned is it's, um, in this whole, uh, sports media game, it, it is that you'd be surprised how far criticism finds its way into the, the, not only the team, but the coaches. Um, I was always pretty surprised how, um, it, and, and. And no coach is going to be like, yeah, I read your article or whatever. They're never going to say that. Um, but their wife did. And their wife handed it to them, right? Their wife showed it to them on the phone. Um, and and that's why I always speak. Sometimes I'm you know, maybe a little harsher, uh, entertaining just to, because I have attention deficit disorder. But, uh, you know, I also say things with an eye toward if John, if John were to pick this up, you know, or were to listen or, or his wife were, I, I hope that they would know that I want them to be successful. And I hope that they will be realistic because the worst thing in the coaching world that you can have is a bunch of yes men. A bunch of people telling you how great you are, how neat you are, and how it's all the players' fault. What concerns me about the Bearcats media um, at times is that it's an access game. So you can't get scoops unless you're dialed in. The only way that you get dialed into the program is by being a friend of the program. I get that. I've been there. I've done that. Check my timeline in 2016 in September. Okay. <laughs> I think there there is some. Now I need, there, I need to see this. Health... I
1: need to see this infamous tweet from
2: from, from September not, it's 2016. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating. i'll tweet it I'll, I'll teach you how to look it up. It's
1: well, easy. it's it's yeah. interesting you say it that way no, let him finish. Let him finish. Yeah.
2: So. I don't even know what I was saying. But all all I'm trying to say is I think it's very healthy that there are folks like us out there who are saying some negative things, because even if it gets funneled through people being negative about our negativity, don't doubt that sometimes it doesn't land in the right ear holes and that people don't process it and think about it and sometimes engage in a bit of introspection to try to figure out. Okay, maybe there is something true. If anybody has any common sense or wisdom, they know that their their biggest critics are sometimes their greatest allies, because through them, they actually get a mirror to what is going on in their life and what's going on in their head and how they maybe need to tweak some things, maybe not change entirely who they are, maybe not shipwreck their confidence, but maybe they need to do, you know, a full on evaluation of am I what could I do to be better? And if you're great, if you care about being excellent, you care about getting better.
0: It's a great final parting shot. Yep. Let's leave it there. Fox, everybody find them on Twitter at Bearcats Radio. Uh, hey Luke, We love having you. <laughs> Luke, great to see you.
2: Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. See